Welcome to today's BCOG online podcast episode. These weekly sermons are a part of the growing online ministry of God. Buford Church of God is a growing multi-campus and multicultural Pentecostal church north of Atlanta. We are reaching people around the world to see lives transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in with us and enjoy today's episode with Senior Pastor Joey Grizzle. Please remain standing, Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. You know the fact that Joseph had to go to this city and be registered, which is actually a historical fact that can be proven, proves that Jesus was of the lineage of David. What a great way to prove that God is true. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of God shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to you and all people. For there is born to you this city, this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Somebody say praise the Lord in this place. Amen, amen. You may be seated. This is a great story that centers on a very important theme for me. And today I want to talk to you about the significance of the insignificant. The significance of the insignificant. If you don't know how to spell that, ask your wife. Matthew chapter 1, in describing the same story to the reader, tells it from a perspective of Joseph when he was afraid to marry his betrothed wife because she was found to be pregnant. An angel appeared to him and said, Don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife, for that which is in her is conceived of the Holy Ghost. And she will give birth to a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. The first gospel gives Christ his first name. We have this theological position where we believe in the law of first mention. Whatever God says first, pay attention. Whatever the lead-in happens to be, Make sure that you focus on it. For example, let me tell you how we operate the church based on this principle. They came to Christ 
Which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus responded, the first is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is lacking unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We here at the church believe that you have to make first things first. You see, too many churches, they operate with the second commandment and have gratuitous remarks on the first. They construct their fellowship for people. They make sure the sound is right, the look is right. The television broadcast is perfect so that everyone is comfortable and all of the community speaks well. They have an excellent public relations department and good with their social media. Their gospel is watered down to accommodate the changing sins of the appetite of the metro Atlanta area. So they don't mention certain sins. Speaking of, this Wednesday night, we're going to be in the chapel. I'm going to talk about every sin that we're not supposed to talk about. If you want to be offended, be here on Wednesday. When you tell me not to talk about something, that's going to be the first thing I talk about. It just seems... It just seems like that's what we should do as Pentecostals. Okay, we're not supposed to mention that. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about that. You can never love God without loving people, but you can love people without loving God. And so if you do the second first, you'll get backwards with the authority of God's Scripture. But in this house, we're glad you're here. We're glad you showed up. But I'll tell you who the honored guest is. Where two or three are gathered together in his name, he's there amongst them. He's there in the middle of them. And so as glad as we are that you are here, we're glad that he is here. So our songs are not for you. They're for God. Our sermons are not for you. They are for God. This church was not constructed for you. It was constructed for God. There are too many people that seek out churches to satisfy and satiate the appetite of their opinions. But in this house, our opinions go down so that God's glory can go up. Somebody talk to me. In this house, we do first things first. And the first gospel that mentions the first name calls God Emmanuel. You know why? I think it's his first priority. I think that word, that name, Emmanuel, prophesied by Isaiah, fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1. That name, Emmanuel, is the high ambition of heaven. That he can be with us. He missed us. Somewhere in the Garden of Eden, our covenant was broken. But God didn't want heaven without us. He sought for us and looked for us and chased us and pursued us. And God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. He came down. He came to get us. I never understand these people who say, I've accepted Christ as my Savior. No, He accepted me. Man, I found God. I didn't find God. He found me. Somebody talk to me. I mean, who in here was real lost? I'm not talking just a little. I'm talking people in your family gave up on you. But thanks be unto God, he knew where you were. He knew how to find you. He was God among you and with you. He went to search for you. You fully 
understand the scripture where can I go from his presence if I ascend to the mountains he's there if I make my bed in hell he is there if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even there he will find me and bring me back to himself God is with us so before you leave this place today we don't ask that you just simply enjoy being here, although that is a high priority of our church. What we ask is that before you leave this place, just say his name. Pastor, I, I don't know if you understand. Listen, he wants to be with you. His desire to be with you exceeds your desire to be with your children. To be able to sit down and Enjoy a conversation to spend time with, with your family. His desire to be with you exceeds that desire. No wonder Jesus cried out, Come! Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You don't have to go to hell. Come home! Come home. And our Father declared in the New Testament, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to spend time with you. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anybody will just open the door, I will come in. And fellowship with them. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a conversation with you. And if nothing in the New Testament story teaches you that principle, it should be this story of God appearing to the shepherds. That he will go wherever he has to to find you. So that he can engage this wonderful relationship that we call salvation. He wants you to be part of his family. It's important that we know that these shepherds are the first to hear the gospel. They are insignificant people, nameless, in a society that has no respect for their profession. They could not be sanctified. They had no running water. Most of them were practically homeless. They lived amongst the sheep. And so there was no opportunity for them to cleanse themselves to the point they could enter the temple mound so they couldn't be part of the organized religion. They had no particular house that they stayed in, perhaps even no family because they lived amongst the sheep for most of their career and there was no opportunity for women and children to participate unless the whole family was enslaved to the vocation. Dirty, sharecroppers, living on somebody else's land, off somebody else's money, impoverished, uneducated, unaccepted, insignificant. But God made his first announcement to them. He didn't take it to Caesar Augustus or to Herod the governor. He decided that he was going to reveal his plan to the most insignificant people 
in one of the most obscure locations in all of Israel. This little village called Bethlehem. This little village that today is outside of Israel proper. Out in the middle of the hill country. I've been there. It's out in the middle of the desert. It's not far from, from the Dead Sea. You, you, you have to leave Israel just to get there. And, and it's, it's over there on the other side of everything that's going on in Jerusalem. God chose to reveal himself to the insignificant. I'm going to shoot straight with you. Should have been more people there. I don't know that God announced to the shepherds or God just announced and the shepherds were the only ones that showed up. I think God decided that was the day. God decided that he was going to make his announcement. His son was going to be born and he was going to throw a party. And when it came time to make the announcement... Nobody was there except the poor people who were on the hillside. Should have been more people there. Well, pastor, how were they going to know? No one knew when he was going to be born. Not true. That's not true. The Bible says that wise men came from the east. Because they saw his star, and when they went to Herod, they said, We've come to worship the one born king of the Jews. And then they inquired, Where will he be born? What did those backslidden preachers tell him? They said, He will be born in Bethlehem according to the word of God. They knew what, they knew where, and they knew who. It gets even better. John the Baptist was in his mother's womb when Elizabeth greeted Mary who had Jesus in her womb. And when John the Baptist felt the presence of God, the Bible says he leapt in his mother's womb and the Holy Ghost moved on Elizabeth. And they knew that there was power being born in that family. Joseph and Mary knew that she was a virgin. Somebody had to tell a lot of people because they wrote it down in the Gospels. I guarantee you two excited women over two babies being born under the power of God, they told somebody. Somebody talked to them. I guarantee you that secret didn't stay where it was supposed to stay. Somebody had to share some information. There were people who knew that Jesus was going to be born. The problem is they didn't know that it was significant to be there. They overlooked a significant moment. I remember the first time that my son called Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A. It's a very sad day in her life. For up until that moment, he had always called it Chickaway. And when he said Chick fil A, broke her heart. Jason Burton came to the house. He had always been BB. Hey, BB. He comes in that day and he says, hey, Jason, let me go get my dad. And Jason cried. I remember when Todd sold his black Tahoe. 
And I stood out here in the parking lot, and I have a way of recognizing moments in time. And Todd's looking at that Tahoe being pulled up onto that rollback. And I knew what was going on. I looked at him, I said, there they are. Those little faces looking out the back of that glass. Their first car seat was in that Tahoe. You're going to let that thing drive off, Todd? You're going to get rid of that car? You're gonna... He said, man, you're going to quit. <laughs> can't take it again. You don't know the last time they're going to cl- climb up in the bed and snuggle with you in the morning. You don't know the last time they're going to run in and ask for a Band-Aid because they scratched their knee. You don't know the last time that you're going to hug your wife or you're going to say happy birthday or Merry Christmas. Because we, like those who were in Israel, miss too many Insignificant moments. Not realizing until years later that the most important things to us were the little things. Is there a mama in the house that knows what it means to ponder these things in her heart? To keep the little things. Well, I want you to look at this story not for the big things. I want you to look at this story for a few minutes for the little things. The things that everybody else overlooked. And I want you to think with me for a moment. From the vantage point of God is revealing himself through the insignificance. For example, Caesar Augustus sent out a decree that all the world should be taxed. I read that scripture in Ukraine. I was in a snowstorm. Octavius drove me through the storm. And he drives like a Ukrainian. And we drove to this little church near Poland. And we didn't want to go. Truthfully, he was getting nervous with the level of snow that was on the road. It was getting a bit dangerous. And so we were trying to get out of it. We wanted to send the money and, and not go to the service, just make it safely back to the hotel. And they begged us into coming. And So we made it there, and then the translator wasn't there, and so we had to wait, and the whole service was postponed, and it was chaotic. This little church was packed full of people. The little children were so excited that that we were there bringing toys, and and, and I was there ready to preach, and we had to get everything just right. And so I was going to read the Christmas story, eat the food, give the gifts, and get out. We'd been giving presents away all day. I was exhausted. It was dangerous to drive back. I was nervous. And and I got in front of the church and I read that scripture, Caesar Augustus. And I said to them, the most powerful man in all of the earth, Caesar Augustus. He was the most famous man in all of the earth. He had more money than any person on the planet at that time. He was the most wealthy and the most powerful. 
He led the greatest empire, the greatest kingdom. He had the most servants. He had the most palatial living places. He, he owned the earth. It was to the point that they were making Caesar out to be a god with inscriptions of worship, thinking of him as a deity. You think celebrities have special privileges in modern culture. It is nothing like his power that he had in ancient culture. Caesar Augustus. Who was his mother? Who were his brothers? Where was he born? Nobody knows. Why? Because the significant became insignificant. And the insignificant became significant. The little became the great. And the great became the little. The only reason we even know the name Caesar Augustus is because he helped Jesus get to a barn. The only reason we remember this great man is because he helped Christ, who was a king, but not like Caesar. He was a king of all kings. He was a lord of all lords. And he didn't care how much money was in the bank account of the shepherds. He wasn't there to reveal himself to Caesar or reveal himself to the governor or to reveal himself in the temple. No, sir. He was going out to the sheep field so that you and I would know that it doesn't matter where you came from and it doesn't matter your pedigree or your diploma. What matters is that God made an announcement to somebody who had no significance so that you and I would know we're invited. Now, I want you to see this in a little bit of a more humorous way. The Bible says those shepherds were greatly afraid. I imagine so. Can you imagine being in the middle of the dark of night where there is no ambient light, there is no street light to compete with? We're talking stars, lions and tigers and bears trying to prey upon the sheep. There's not a red-blooded American man in this house that's been camping that hasn't had a moment where you believe in everything. If you have spent any amount of time in the woods, there is a moment where you said, oh, no, that's Bigfoot. <laughs> if you've ever made the mistake of going out on a stealth mission to go swimming with all your buddies off a tire swing, then there is a moment when you believed in the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> Godzilla, UFOs, whatever. When it's dark, it's scary. Can you imagine out there with you and your, your crew and then the most angelic authority in all of heaven, the archangel, steps out, behold. And the glory of God shone round about him. I mean, Mia, come on. I can't even turn the lights on in the morning without you going blind. 
Can you imagine being out there in the dark and the glory of God? So they're there hearing this. Behold, we bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to you and all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ our King. And then the greatest Siberian orchestra ever invented for Christmas, the most beautiful music ever heard on planet earth as angels began to sing and the glory of God fell on them like a waterfall. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I guarantee you I know their first thought. I ain't going. No. I'm not going. I'm skipping this. Now you got to go. I don't want to go. I'm not dressed for this. Now I got a sign for you. I don't need a sign. I, you, I can't even read signs. Look, how did you even find us? I mean, my name's Larry. This is my brother Daryl, and this is my other brother Daryl. <laughs> we don't. We're not dressed right. They didn't teach us anything. I can't go to no palace and see a king. He's not in a palace. Well, I'm not going to church either. They kicked me out of church. Uh, I'm too dirty. I ain't cleaned up. I can't walk in there with these shoes looking like this, and he ain't even got any shoes on. He, he, he's not in a, he's not at church. I can't go to the courthouse. It's illegal. I can't go to downtown Jerusalem. Nah, he's not there. Where'd you put him? See, this is a sign for you. See, he's in a barn. You're right. I can do that. I can't go to the palace. I can't go to the temple. But I can hang out in the barn. Why would you come to a barn? Because God's not afraid to get in the dirt with you. I loved when Jesus had that adulterous woman thrown at his feet. And the Bible says he knelt down started riding in the dirt. We don't know why he wrote. We don't know what he wrote. But I can guess. He was letting that whole city know that he's not afraid to get involved with the dirtiest places of our lives. That while everybody else was standing tall, ready to throw rocks, Jesus got down in the dirt with her and said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Is there somebody here today that can give me a witness that God found you where you weren't supposed to be? That he wasn't afraid to follow you into hell's kitchen?
that everybody else was walking out but the Holy Ghost was walking in that, that maybe you were in a jail cell when God found you maybe you were a drug addict when God found you maybe you were so lost that people had given up on you when God found you but thanks be unto God God came down and made an announcement in your life behold I'm here to set you free with some good news I'm here to break the chains that bind and loose the fetters that hold I'm here to help you Bring you out. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. The Lord revealed something to me while I was in my second service. We have three services. So please forgive me if I look a little tired. My brain kind of runs out of words after so many preachings. But the uh, I was out there in that service and the service was already over with. And, and I turned around to Marty and just let him have it because God gave it to me. So Marty had to take this whole sermon that I'm about to give you by himself because the service out there, they were already honking and praising and doing all they... A bunch of crazy people go out there that drive in. I don't know what... And so I, I turned around. And I said, you know what God just said to me? I've been reading the verse wrong. You know what the Bible says? Oh, sweet Jesus. The Bible says that he was, she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Don't watch it. Don't look it in the eyes. You know what occurred to me in that story? We've always assumed that them meant Mary and Joseph. What God told me is no. There wasn't any room for the shepherds. See, the next verse says there were shepherds abiding in the field by night. She took him and laid him in swaddling clothes in a manger, for there was no room for them. God moved that baby to a barn because had he been born in a hotel, the shepherds wouldn't have been invited and they couldn't have come in. So God moved the baby to the barn so there would be enough room for the, for the people who were coming to see, for the, for the party that was about to be thrown. Because I tell you what, if the shepherds weren't invited, then I'm not invited. If the shepherds can't go, then drug addicts can't go. People who've been divorced can't go. People who've broken promises can't go. But thanks be unto God, God moved his son from the prestige of the palace to the barn so that people who were lost and undone could hear the call from the master. The table is set, and I declare to you, come and dine. Come and dine, come and dine. For I have found bread in Bethlehem. There's a river that flows from its throne. Is anybody thirsty today? The bride says come and the spirit says come. Whosoever will let him come and drink of the water of life freely. So I want to tell you what I told that little church in Ukraine. I preached that little sermon on Caesar Augustus and the significance of the insignificant. How the little became great and the great became little in the presence of God. And I said, it may not seem like much to you, but it was hard to get here. But there's a church over there in Buford that raised money just so you can have Christmas presents because 
the Lord put you on our hearts. And you're that special to God that he would take me who lives all the way in America and fly me all the way over here in a snowstorm and have me show up at this church on this good night to tell you that I bring you good news of great joy. That's for you and all people. That There was a king born in Bethlehem who is the Savior. And he loves you. He loves you enough to send me. When I said that, a little nine-year-old boy stood up. Tears rolling down his cheeks. He's there every year now. He sits right there on the front row. I get my picture made with him as he grows up. The Spirit of God just moved on him. And the whole church wept as God filled him with the Spirit. Because it doesn't matter if you're in Kiev is what I told them. It doesn't matter if you're in Moscow or Berlin or from New York City. Maybe it's just an obscure village. A nameless little gathering of homes here on the border of Poland. Thanks be unto God. God knows where you are. So I want to say to the Buford Church of God today as we get ready to celebrate Christmas over this next month, don't overlook the insignificant things. Don't you dare go past one special moment. You ponder them in your heart because I promise you, God will speak to you in the small things and He'll change your life with those little cards, those little pieces of candy that you hand out, that clerk that you are nice to when everybody else is being rude, that moment at the school when you know that child is probably not going to have a good Christmas, maybe their family's falling apart, and you invite them to this church, and, and we give Christmas to every child that's in our church. We, we don't let anybody get passed by in this house. I don't know what little thing God's going to use you to accomplish, but why don't you be the angel for somebody? Why don't you make an announcement? Pastor, it's not. The announcement's already been made. Well, watch this. I'll show you how it works. God built this church with chicken dinners and penny drives and people having yard sales and selling Krispy Kreme donuts. Some of these people here are still paying the price for those Krispy Kreme donuts. Having all kind of things that we went through as a church to build this great building. We have this land beside us. We got the parking lot and the road between us and the city bought the land in front of us and put in a sidewalk and we, we have the choir and the band and I've been called by God. Called by God. I have little things in my life. Like, like when, when I was in my mother's womb. I, I don't know why we overlook these things and doubt in hard times when God reveals so many powerful things in, in moments of our lives. But while I was in my mother's womb, she's going out to the car with my dad and they're interrupted by Sister Fortner, who was the elder of Gainesville Church of God. And she had that preacher voice. She was just one of those powerful women of God. And she said, are you pregnant? My mom, yes. It, uh, we are? Uh, how did you know? I was praying for you last night. God told me. Oh, he's going to be a man of God. He's going to do great things for the kingdom of God. 
So why would I stand here today and be ashamed of my calling when God knew me while I was in my mother's womb? It may be little to you, but that little thing meant the world to me. When I stand here, I can still hear her voice speaking power over my life. I've been called by God under the authority of the church of God in a church built by the miracles of God. And I stand here as a messenger from heaven and I declare over you, behold, I bring you good news, which is to you and the whole world, that unto you was born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and he will free you from your sins. And so I say, let us join with the angels of heaven and say glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. Praise him today, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, stand with me all over the house. I want you to get rowdy for a minute. I, I feel some praise in the place. And I ask God right now in the name of Jesus to rapture us into the glorious harmony with his presence. I ask you, God, that we would cooperate with the Holy Spirit right now. I want an anointed Christmas celebration. Listen to me. As we celebrate Christmas this year, I want God to so infuse you with the anointing and the power of God that we make a difference in our neighborhood, we make a difference in our church, in our school, in our community. Heaven knows the world needs a decent Christmas this year. I'm tired of what hell's been talking about. Getting taxed, politicians. Send in word. We got to do this. You got to go get registered. You got to get your cards. You got to get your shots. You got to do this. You got to do it. I'm tired of it. I don't know. I can't keep up. I feel like I'm going to prison every day of my life. Every time you fill out your taxes, you feel like you're doing something wrong. Can I get a witness from somebody? I don't ever feel like I do them right. You always feel like there's, like there's going to be some technicality and some halfway through the night. You know what you've been up to? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Right in the middle of the biggest political upheaval in the history of earth, Jesus was born the first time. And I believe it's going to be right in the middle of the biggest political upheaval in earth that he's going to come back and get us. Because I've got even better news. He walked on water. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. The lame can dance and the blind can see. And early one Sunday morning, he walked out of that grave carrying keys to death, hell, and the grave. And the angel said again, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Jesus is not dead, but he's alive. And I've got even better news. That same Jesus is coming back to get us with a shout of an angel and the voice of the archangel. The trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise. And those that are alive and remain will be called up to meet him in the air. We have good news. Tell everybody. Thank you, Jesus. But may you be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Blessed when you rise and when you lay down at night. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Turn his countenance towards you and be gracious to you. Make his face shine on you and give you peace. Beauty for ashes. 
and the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed Pastor Joey's word today. To find out more about our ministry, visit bcog.me. Our services are live streamed weekly on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, you can talk to one of our pastors anytime via bcog.me messenger. See you again in the next podcast episode.